If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to look completely different, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to Can the slippery slope nuances of Alter Self be negated? And how can we incorporate Alter Self deeper into our characters? And how weird can we get with the descriptions of this spell? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I am Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. We've already said the name of the spell a few times. It's definitely Alter Self. No tricks here. The title of this episode uh, feels like borderline self-helpy. <laughs> Whose fault is that? I think it's yours. I'm pretty sure you came up with it. <laughs> oh, dang it. Were you going somewhere with that? No, I just, I, I think it's borderline motivational. Okay. Alter perceptions oh. of Alter self like it i don't know it, it sounds like you might hear that r- repeated on say like a meditation track or something okay okay that's how a spellcaster learns the spell yeah just on repeat while they meditate yeah well as relaxing as that might be in people's actual games this spell has the tendency to tear people apart Using it can straight up stop a game for the rest of the session. And once you unlock this spell with your meditative transcendence sessions, (laughs) you're having a good time because it's one of the spells that I really like because it makes you feel like a powerful fantasy character. Like when you're facing some obstacle and you're like, no worries, I'm going to literally change my body so that I can (laughs) do something here. Right. And it, it feels like Loki is a shape-changing little shit. But ultimately, he's casting Disguise Self. It's an illusion. If you were to reach through it, has this feel of, eh, but it's not like, it's not like powerful spellcasting. It's just like, it's illusions. (laughs) They're called illusions, Michael. But this spell is like, shift who you are at a cellular level. Yeah. And it is Fuck, wild, powerful. You're changing reality with this spell, not just, you know, making a fanciful little picture. Yeah. I mean, this is what Wolverine is using, kind of, when he (laughs) unsheathes his claws. Wolverine vibes, I like it. Or T-1000 from Terminator 2, who's constantly shape-changing to look like other people, from cops to whatever, and he whips out his blade arms. That's a great point. That on some level, you can get up to as much shit as the T-1000. Like, how much chaos did the T-1000 create? Exactly. And, like, that's what I think is undervalued about some of the spells in D&D is some of the most powerful characters from fiction just have the one spell. (laughs) (laughs) What more do you want? (laughs) When will you be satisfied? Here's the thing, though. On the flip side, this spell can... Just be renamed Slippery Fucking Slope. Because it is 
such a dangerous spell that will ruin friendships and ruin lives between the GM or the DM and the players. Right. Because of the arguments that come up about how specifically to use it. Yes. And there are a couple of very, very specific passages within the description of the spell that I think if Wizards of the Coast took another stab at, they could probably define a little bit better. But it's printed. It's in books. And now it's ruining friendships at tables. <laughs> Thanks, Wizards. So you're saying don't use it? Episode done or what? <laughs> this can be real short and simple. Just don't use it. Strike it from your tables. No. What we're trying to say is that if we look at this and we take the rules as written kind of standpoint, there is one side of the coin. And then if you take the other side, which is let's open up a little bit of leeway here, then you've opened the floodgates. And is there a, a way that we can clarify just a little bit more that both makes the DM and the players happy and B, also just looking at the spell as written and running with it and having fun with it. And how can we use it to more maximum effect in our games without having to have these diabolical books fly in kind of royal rumbles that happen as a result of this spell? And how do we get weird with it, of course, because that it's got a lot of creative potential. Can peace and civility be reinstated at the table? When a character chooses alter self, let's find out in the Kinship Camp. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. So I think this is definitely a spell where we need to spend a little bit of time on the specific wording, because that's where a lot of these problems come from, right? Well, yes, this is where we have to put on our lawyer cap and start to go through that spell line by line and figure out where the offending phrases really are. Yeah. So the basics, casting time of one action, range of self, target self. Its components are verbal and somatic, and it can last up to an hour. And its classes are sorcerer and wizard and artificer, but... You know, there's so many tweaks now that you can basically get any spell for any class at this point. <laughs> you assume a different form. When you cast the spell, choose one of the following options, the effects of which last for the duration of the spell. While the spell lasts, you can end one option as an action to gain the benefits of a different one. That's a pretty cool point. You can be swapping these out for the entire hour that the spell is active. So there's three major abilities of this spell. The first one is aquatic adaptation. So you adapt your body to an aquatic environment, sprouting gills and growing webbing between your fingers. You can breathe underwater and gain a swimming speed equal to your walking speed. So merman, like fish person kind of thing. Like yeah. you can just survive. That's very straightforward. One specific use, the least exciting one in my opinion, because who cares about becoming Aquaman? Not me. <laughs> That's a stance to take, I suppose. <laughs> but I'll admit that it's useful when you got to go underwater. Fine. Well, and one of the distinctions there is that it does not turn you into some kind of aquatic creature, which means that 
technically you're not giving yourself some kind of merperson tale. Yeah. And I'll also state that I think that this point, this ability, is the one that throws a bit of a wrench into this whole spell. Because I've seen a lot of people suggest that they want all kinds of other natural adaptations to climb or fly or things like that. Right. It's kind of weird for it to even be a part of this list, but it's there nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right on both counts. Because it could have just as easily been skipped. It is oddly specific. But like I say, it's there. <laughs> you look like Namor, the Submariner. Yeah. Next is the meaty one. Change appearance. You transform your appearance. You decide what you look like, including your height, weight, facial features, sound of your voice, hair length, coloration, and distinguishing characteristics, if any. You can make yourself appear as a member of another race, though none of your statistics change. You also can't appear as a creature of a different size than you, and your basic shape stays the same. If you're bipedal, you can't use the spell to become quadrupedal, for instance. At any time for the duration of the spell, you can use your action to change your appearance in this way again. That's a lot. And this is the one that I think has caused a lot of struggles at the table. This is kind of, like you said, the meaty one, but also the one that could be argued till you're blue in the face. Because, I mean, buckle up. Well, I think that's why there's so this one's so long, too, is because they had to keep tacking on. It's almost like a paragraph of addendums. Yeah, <laughs> they did the play test. It was very simple. It was like one sentence before the play test. And then they watched all the results of the play <laughs> test. And they were like, no, they can't do that. That nice try. Not that either. And they just kept tacking them on. You want to play like that, do you? Here's another addendum. <laughs> I can do this all day. I write the rules. Try me, you piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, so that must have been a great time. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) I feel bad for those (laughs) playtesters. So there's a few points that we want to make about this part of the spell, the change appearance part. The first being its ability to let you disguise yourself. And we've already done an episode about the Disguise Self spell, which I encourage you to check out if that's what you want to do with spells. Because this one has some limitations, some different strengths, but like, for example, this spell says nothing about the clothes that you're wearing. This is like a alter your physical being, not an illusion or, like you said, a disguise. That There is a spell for that, and it's called Disguise Self. Yeah. And it's illusory. Now, I will say that this spell doesn't get into the specifics of if you can indeed imitate a specific person. Which is weird because for the number of addendums, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't actually address whether or not you can mimic someone else. And there's a lot of room for discussion around that one ability right there. Because, you know, if you were to ask me, let's say we remove you from the room. And then somebody else asks me to come in and try my best to mimic your voice. Now I have the physical ability to change the shape and the sound of my vocal cords and the what I can only describe as a resonation chamber yeah. inside your noggin of this is how to make that voice. So again, I've got two things against me. The trying to shape my physical form to match yours but then also my recollection 
of what your voice actually sounds like. And you and I have known each other for the entirety of your life. And I wouldn't say that I would be accurate in trying to do that. That would take some serious skill. Like spot on. Yeah. It's going to take some practice with the spell, I think. So, you know, I might start, if somebody wanted to do this in my game, I might start with the description that Disguise Self gives on this, which is that a creature can inspect your appearance using investigation against your spell save DC. Now, if you want to make it a little more chaotic and random using the dice, you could have the character using the spell make an arcana or deception roll when they cast it to get that resonance chamber just right and all the little details that they have to nail and then set that as the DC that NPCs might be rolling against. See, and I really, really like that because then I can also adjust a little bit on how likely someone is to know who you are, like their closeness and proximity to that particular NPC could give them uh, an advantage on detecting whether or not it really is the person or not. Yeah. So there's a lot more play that I have as a GM to just let the player roll and assume that they've nailed it. And then behind my DM screen, I can do the all of the other adjustments for how successful that really was. And that's kind of a theme of this spell too, is that if you do want to allow for that creative wiggle room, the DM has to be flexible and be on their toes and be making calls that the spell doesn't define outright. And this is, of course, the core to why this spell causes so many problems, is because it does give a certain amount of wiggle room and a player is obviously going to argue <laughs> for that wiggle room. They want to do the cool thing. Yeah. Like, for instance, there's the problem of size. You can alter the height within your same size category. Seems simple on its face. But I would legitimately be on the player's side of this thing. So, Jordan, if you're telling me that a dwarf can become a goliath. Because they're both medium, you're saying. Yeah, a dwarf is a medium-sized creature, a goliath is a medium-sized creature, which means that a dwarf could cast Alter Self and then become the size and shape of a, just a (laughs) tough, yeah, yeah, just like a big friggin', you know, pecs everywhere. And like, I mean, honestly, every dwarf's dream really is just like, I'm tall and I'm ripped and... (laughs) This is awesome. This is a good time. Hey, my dwarves are proud of being dwarves, all right? (laughs) They don't want to be Goliaths. They can't even grow beards. (laughs) Touche. (laughs) But for the sake of argument, that's a four to six foot height difference. Yeah. But a halfling cannot become a dwarf. Because halflings are in the small category. Right. Which is arguably... Uh, maybe one to two foot difference. So tell me how that makes any goddamn sense. It's <laughs> a slippery slope alert right there. If I'm a player, yes, I am arguing that point till I'm blue in the face. Yeah. Why the hell can't I grow one foot higher to, to look like a dwarf. a dwarf? I could be a tall halfling and you could be a short dwarf. We're probably like a few inches apart. Yeah, we're standing back to back. (laughs) Yeah. 
Although I do love the idea of the halfling who is like the star captain of the basketball yeah, team in the people. in Hobbiton. <laughs> star of the courts. <laughs> so then my next issue is specifically with this one addendum to this spell, and that is your basic shape stays the same. If you're bipedal, you can't use this spell to become quadrupedal. That's an oddly specific example, but let me explain where I really start to have some deep-seated frustrations with that one particular <laughs> bit of wording. Calm down now. So, based on that ruling, we are suggesting that a human cannot become a centaur, even though they are both medium size, because one is a quadruped. Yeah. Okay, understood. You better not take this spell as a centaur sorcerer, because your options for what you can turn into with four <laughs> goddamn legs is pretty limited. Four legs, two arms. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think you can become one of those spider people. No, well, no, you can't, because you're missing oh, right, the six right, 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 limbs right. on the bottom. So you can become a different centaur. You can become a different centaur. You can look like a different centaur. So then, by the same token, you can't become a two-winged Aracorcra because they have wings. Right. Bird people. Bird people. Yeah. But you could become a Kenku because they don't have wings. Their wings are arms, sort of. <laughs> and they can't really fly, can they? They can't fly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't have a fly speed. So, okay, that makes no goddamn sense. But then, let's take it another level. So then you've got a four-armed Thrycreen. Same deal. Two legs, four arms. <laughs> so again it's going to be tricky you better i don't know who you, the hell you're going to turn into because you can't change the number of limbs right well yeah so you're telling me that a thrycreen is the opposite of a centaur i never realized that <laughs> touche <laughs> or maybe because you have three sets you could become an aracorcra as a thrycreen uh and just pretend that Two of the your two arms are wings? Are wings? Yeah, sure. Maybe. What about that four-legged centaur again? Even though there's a lot of even though talk. yeah, you got six limbs and two of them can't become feet. So yeah, you're still screwed as a centaur. And then what if you're playing a plasmoid from Spelljammer? You can just go ahead and get fucked because they can do anything with their well they can have one limb or they can have two All or right. they can have one leg or they can have two or then they can throw out a little tendril thing arguably the best character to play with this spell i guess then what about a loxodon the does elephant the, folk yeah does the trunk count as a limb you tell me that <laughs> so then if you anymore. can't make a non-functioning trunk granted the loxodons have a you know, they can do stuff with their trunk. But let's say for the sake of argument that you let a player turn into a Loxodon with a non-functioning trunk. Is that, does that count? This is a, this is an all night slippery slope argument. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. Limbs ahoy. You Throw get my point overboard. though. That one single line throws so many wrenches into the works of the basic races included within D D. yeah i think my table rule is gonna be no limbs <laughs> <laughs> do 
Just no limbs at all. (laughs) You're only allowed to become a ball. (laughs) Torsos. Here's six limbs to spread among the party. That's all you'll ever get. (laughs) Do what you want. And then finally, you have natural weapons. Right. This one's a lot of fun to me. You grow claws, fangs, spines, horns, or a different natural weapon of your choice. Your unarmed strikes deal 1d6 bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage as appropriate to the natural weapon that you choose. And you're proficient with your unarmed strikes. Finally, the natural weapon is magic and you have a plus one bonus to the attack and damage rolls you make using it. So that is dope. You can just sprout a weapon. I love it. And it's fairly simple. The only real debate in this bit is over if you can use dexterity with the natural weapons. Rules as written, only if you're a monk can unarmed strikes use dexterity. I mean, I'd probably allow it, though, because it's not going to break my game if somebody's using dexterity. I mean, you've just thrown raw right out the window. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I broke it. I mean, the whole point of this is that it's like in a pinch, you can have a weapon. Yeah. And the reason they kind of went this direction, it feels very much because they know that the three classes that are allowed this spell are not going to be the kind of high strength heavy hitters. Yeah, that's true. Just to have something when you desperately need it. Right. And my problem with this is that it just scales like a turd. Right. And again, I guess you're making the point that this is this is a backup. This isn't your main attack ever. Right. But if I am taking up a spell slot with this, like all of a sudden, one of the three abilities of this spell, you know, you've got a very, very situational aquatic spell. You've got tons of usage in the altar self component. But then in the melee attack space once you get past like level five level six i mean you're not going to use this ability for this purpose anymore right but at those low levels at the levels that you're first getting this i think it can be a pretty amazing back pocket tool now we've talked a lot about problems problems with this spell let's talk about some solutions both for dms and for players Ban it all together, six limbs per party. <laughs> Let's, the math is breaking my brain. Can you stop? Okay. So aquatic adaptation is pretty innocuous. Nothing really needs to be fixed there. If the caster is trying to fool someone with a disguise, have them roll an arcana check and that becomes the DC to beat if anyone wants to investigate your appearance. Now the limbs, what counts as a limb? I would probably rule as a GM you only have as many functional limbs as you have. It's a pretty safe bet as far as game-breaking, can I use my extra limbs as whatever? You can have different limbs. As a humanoid, you can become a Thrycreen. You can become a four-armed bug person, no problem. You just can't use those other two limbs. They're dead limbs, but for the sake of visibility... And fooling people? Absolutely. Those exist now on you. They're just non-functional. Right. They work about as well as I can write with my left hand kind of thing. Right. And if you're looking for a way to logic this, you can simply tell the player your brain just does not have the kind of mental pathways to utilize 
two extra limbs or even wings as a human or as an elf or as a halfling when you turn into an aracorca your brain doesn't know how to use those wings right it doesn't even know how to flap them <laughs> it has not built up the neural pathways to do that so while you can look like that and you can give yourself a tail you can't make that tail prehensile it just doesn't work so you're saying the brain is excluded from this physical transformation well you are still you yeah and as far as the size solution you can't mechanically enjoy the benefits of a different size but be delighted with your transformational abilities right so what we're saying is sure grow up or down one size category right but you just don't get any of the mechanical advantages and i think that might be the solid undercurrent of everything that we're saying within this one particular spell is you don't gain a mechanical advantage yeah. for altering your appearance or your physical form. Be creative. Have fun. You don't get new abilities. That's what the other two areas of this spell are for, the aquatic and the melee ability. Yeah. So let's get inspired over this spell. We've talked about problems. <laughs> We've talked about solutions. But how would we use this spell to really amp up the fun? Because it's a fucking phenomenal spell it's so good right we want to get creative get weird what jumps out to me first is just that this spell because you can shift abilities mid casting as many times as you want it feels like your entire prison escape plan it's like every stage of the prison escape is represented here you can shapeshift your way into one of the other prisoners or one of the other guards to say, yeah, they stole my clothes and they escaped. Let me out. And then you've got the physical melee fighting ability because they took all of your weapons. You've still got the ability to grow some wild ass bone swords <laughs> and fight your way out. And then when you leap the front gate and you land in the moat or you make a sea escape, you've got another 30 minutes to make your way out of there. Fair enough. Yeah, you're getting out. You're leaving your whole party behind. Well, I mean, <laughs> you'll you, come, I'll come back for you. You sit. <laughs> you don't <laughs> abandon them. You save them. Yeah. You're the one that got them out in the first place. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I could see the potential for this in a lot of situations where... You know, you're doing some shady stuff. You're in a campaign where people know who your character is. This is perfect. And I'd say DMs give characters with spells like this that moment to shine. Have somebody looking for them. Then they can go about their business in full disguise as somebody else. They can have an alternate persona that they even embody in the town. Have a really cool club that can only be gotten into if you're a tiefling or a cool club that you can only get into if you've got this spell and you have to look like one person <laughs> what <laughs> that's a great idea everyone looks the same yeah i could see that being like a fan club in the real world like <laughs> the justin bieber Welcome. fan club <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that who we think of individually, because I was going to say, it's the Ryan Gosling Club. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no. yeah. No, no, you already showed your hand. You're a 
What are Bieber fans called? Bieblings? Batman. Bieblers? Can I, can I change it to Batman? No, you can't. Oh. That ship has sailed. That would actually wouldn't even work because you'd have to have a costume on top of your Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> we said it can't alter clothes. <laughs> All right, anyways. But there is so much opportunity for this, whether your your character could even campaign for mayor in their downtime as a completely different person. This is a, an ideal spell for someone who's going around screwing shit up. You need an alter ego in order to just conduct business because you've been such a shitty person the rest of the time with your real face. Yeah, good point. You could be a part-time criminal every time your party has downtime. <laughs> I like it. I think that's also very telling that I said you had to put on a nice face because you're generally shitty. And you implied that you could be sometimes <laughs> shitty, even though you're generally nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very right. telling of our individual personalities. I'm happy again. You know, another thing that jumps to mind is just the fact that as a GM, there is zero reason that your big bad can't be helping the players their entire time. Like throughout the campaign, the humble, lovely shopkeep that they have come to trust in town is really the big bad that has been pushing them in the direction that they want them to go because they only have to, you know, those kind of transactional relationships that only last maximum an hour. Yeah, and this isn't even a situation where the party can find their illusion disguise by just slapping them around. Right. They're actually the shopkeeper right now. Yeah, so... This spell gives you a ton of wiggle room to go for one of those big, holy shit, at what point were they the bad guy the whole time? Yeah. Did they recently murder them and take their place? Like, what is going on and how? who can we trust? This is one of those spells that you can turn back on your players in a pinch. Jiminy the shopkeep was actually a Balrog all along? That seems like it's going <laughs> to fuck with the size thing again. Dang it, you're right. <laughs> a, a really small Balrog? <laughs> He's a normal, a very normal... Like a reject Balrog? <laughs> anyway. Going back to the player side of things, you've got intimidating and interrogating, which happen almost every damn session. So we've always got this issue of, like, you can't fall back onto war crimes. Yeah. So what do you do? You puff out your chest? Do you, you know, smack your fist a couple of times? You know, look menacing? Maybe uh, twirl a bat? No, you grow terrifying <laughs> rib cage-like <laughs> protrusions from your fucking face, and you start to intimidate the hell out of your captive. All right. You use alter self- to grow a hellmouth yeah. in your face. And have a little demon come out of the hellmouth, even, as your tongue. <laughs> and start doing the intimidating. Wow. <laughs> I think we're really bending the rule. This is why. This is why we're talking about this episode. And then that demon has puppets and puts on a puppet show. And then you're confused and scared. <laughs> oh, my God. We've jumped the shark. All right. What about when you're trying to infiltrate the palace of the big bad? Well, 
look like a statue of them and have the rest of the party don a general worker's uniforms, <laughs> just wheel you in. Yeah, have them pick up a ladder and a clipboard and <laughs> they look like they belong. Get a reflective vest <laughs> and you can get in anywhere. Yeah. I don't know how well a reflective vest works in <laughs> fantasy. I don't know if OSHA's come a long way Yeah, in your campaign Fantasy world. OSHA. <laughs> I mean, we could probably riff on these forever. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, your campaign, your games are going to have some wild situations. And this spell is so flexible. And if you just stay open to it, it's going to give you some epic moments in your game. That being said, we haven't really touched on natural weapons, which is, I would venture a guess to say, is your favorite part of this spell. This is the part of the spell where my creativity just starts to spiral and it gets real weird real fast. But before I get into all of that, let's just talk about the mechanics real quick, because they are pretty decent for being that backup weapon we talked about. It turns your unarmed strikes into magic weapons that do a d6 worth of damage, which I'll admit is fairly low. But the magic, that's super useful depending on the situation. Hell yeah. And the plus one doesn't hurt either. Yeah. Plus one is worth 500 gold pieces if you're buying a weapon. Right. And that's not even a magical weapon. <laughs> well, there you go. Like, that is the kind of weapon that you want to have in a pinch. And you're fighting ghosts or something that is resistant to everything but magic? Hell yeah. I don't know why you're being jailed by ghosts, but that's for you to figure <laughs> Again, out. Again, very situational. <laughs> Ghost jail doesn't happen every day. That's the beginning of a campaign. You all wake up and there's a ghost in front of you. All right, welcome to ghost jail. <laughs> you really <laughs> fucked up this time. But the flavor of this spell, that's what I get excited about. Because they're natural weapons. And this includes all the classics, basically what it describes in the spell from the claws and the teeth, whatever. But... Don't forget some of the other odd weapons of nature, like antlers, tusks, tentacles, hooves, pinchers, beaks, scorpion tails. <laughs> uh, no other additional limbs. What if it's just flavor? Well, that was my point. It was what if it was just flavor? You're right. You don't need a scorpion tail. You know, the little stingy bit at yeah. the very end? You've got that at the end of both of your arms. Yeah. But as long as you're staying within the confines of the fact that it doesn't give you any extra attacks, and it just does that magical 1d6 plus 1. Flavor it however the hell you want. Yeah. And then you start twisting a little bit, because these weapons don't need to have a damage type that corresponds to the logic of them necessarily. Like, what about razor-sharp tentacles? And then you get into the fact that you could have unnatural natural weapons. And I know that gets a little confusing, but what D&D &D means by natural weapons is just that they're a part of the wielder's body. Not that they're in any way occurring in the natural world. I see where you're going with this. So why can't you have machete arms or Edward Scissorhands hands? <laughs> You can, you know, flavor whatever epic, cool weapon that you want as a body part, and there you go. Right. Or if you want to keep it a little more grounded, you could even just harden any body part that you have. Like, you want to just turn into a bare-knuckle boxing champ? Hell. That's pretty cool. Yes. When you're going for the headbutt, you harden that forehead 
so you can knock someone's ass out or in like a climactic kind of like finale with a hated enemy you just you'd pull that like i'm throwing it all down right out with the spells yeah. we're gonna go mono a mono <laughs> i'm going to cast the spell but and then of course you can get into the weird and the monstrous and flavor it accordingly like why couldn't you have gibbering mouths everywhere or you tap into your connection to the demonic world and an arm grows out of your chest that is possessed. Right. And this is where we get into that tricky shit of rules as written. Yeah. Is that you can either give yourself natural weapons or you can change your form. Like there is just a level that we have to get to where we go and we have a discussion with our GM and we either sort this out or we find some creative ways that we can just say, you know what? We'll let it go. As long as you're not trying to change the mechanics of the game, go crazy. Yeah. With as long this as you're awesome not spell. trying to get an advantage. Right. But you're just trying to have fun. I'm going ham. Hey, we didn't yet talk about aquatic adaptation though. Because it sucks. <laughs> that seems a little over the line. <laughs> situationally it is awesome yeah <laughs> don't put water in my way all right fine like we will skip aquatic adaptation <laughs> but we won't skip giving a huge debt of gratitude to our wonderful patrons who made this episode happen and a special welcome to our new patron dead man and to all the rest we always appreciate you kirk t ninja ducky sue art Blackthorn, First Law, Peacock Dreams, DM Thunderbum, Marley R, Time Warp, Dangerous Marmalade, Zach G, No Ma'am, Michelle T, Alirius, Chris F, The Senate, Lucas D, Lila G, GM Tim, Nevermore, Thomas W, Ty N, Heavy Arms, Aldros, Leprechaun, and Will HP. Thank you all so, so much. This really doesn't happen without you folks. Thanks also to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join an incredible community of players and DMs that are full of really cool ideas. You can add your own cool ideas to their games by joining our Discord. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening and, and grow a mouth from game. your mouse as you turn into a centaur, gaining 16 <laughs> extra arms, each of them on your fingertips. You've got none of that. Is Wolverine. No. Uh, so.